George St. Pierre, I believe, is the most well-known or best UFC fighting champion to come from Canada. If you don't know what UFC means, it's the ultimate fighting championship. It's a tremendously violent sport and uh, probably more violent than boxing or normal wrestling or anything that you may have seen. Do I watch it? I'll leave that up to you to guess or you can ask me on the chat after or, or uh, think if I should be addressing that UFC kind of idea. But why am I talking about him today? Within the last couple of weeks, I heard an interview on a sports radio talk show and they were interviewing him on his success and his retirement and what he was doing now. And he is a, a champion now in talking about bullies and, and how to help kids withstand bullying. He is a, a champion fighter, but he with, withstood a ton of bullying growing up. And the, the interviewer asked him the question, how do you reconcile or how do you work out being part of a violent sport with trying to address bullying? So much of the, the competition in a UFC battle is set up with trash talking each other and the threats of violence and wanting to destroy each other. How do you do that? And he said that in the business of UFC, you're basically playing into a character and you're playing that up and you're trying to make that performance happen to get people engaged and involved. Well, we're in the Believe series and the last four chapters of our 30-week walk, topical walk through the Bible. And this past, in the, in the beginning, we talked about what a follower of Christ believes. And now we are talking about who we are becoming. It may not sell as a sport as we look at these last four ideas of gentleness and faithfulness and kindness and goodness and humility. But I tell you that a man or woman who is able to grow in these virtues is someone to be reckoned with. And while a UFC fighter has to put on an act, so to speak, or has to demonstrate the violence to gather an audience, in the ring of real life, somebody who is able to operate with kindness and goodness, with faithfulness and gentleness and humility, is a champion in my books. In a world where there's so many uh, competitions and competitors fighting to take us sideways or to take us out, when we can operate with that kind of heart, that's a victory and that's a win. The main verse that we are talking about over the course of these last number of weeks and for the next four is really comes from Galatians 5. It's the summary about the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to take time to read it today to refresh our context for the fruit of the Spirit and who we are becoming as we trust in Holy Spirit. So starting at Galatians 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That sometimes is summarized as the fruit of the flesh. But carrying on in verse 22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And friends, that's what we're talking about as we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, as we focused on the power of the Spirit and Pentecost Sunday last week, and now moving forward, is that we want to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life so that that fruit of the Spirit and the nature of God can grow within us. You see, those fruits of the Spirit describe who we are to become. If we belong to Christ, we are allowing those old ways to die, we're breaking those off, those patterns, and we're beginning to follow the Spirit and begin to follow God in a new and dynamic way, not just once, but daily. And to follow His leading daily and to make that decision daily that we're going from old patterns and sinful ways to His life-giving ways, that's really what discipleship is all about. It's about learning, it's about growing, and it's about following to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, today Susan said that we're going to have some more fun with fruit, and uh, maybe I'll give you a hint up front that I want to preach a a very good sermon to you this morning. And there's all sorts of of berries out there. I grew up with two younger sisters, and so I watched my fair share of strawberry shortcake and have had my fair share of very good puns. But there's Saskatoon berries and strawberries, and I'm going to preach the sermon a little bit differently today and It might feel like a few different sections, and so I'm going to call them sermon berries. And hopefully, after you eat all these sermon berries in your spirit, that you'll feel full and nourished, and we'll we'll talk about some berries later on. But for the berries I want you to chew on today is, berry number one is that God's actual nature is kindness and goodness. His character contains these qualities, these virtues, these characteristics, While we're talking about kindness and goodness, we're not talking about something that God is saying that we should do as a follower of Him. He's saying to us that that actually is who He is. He is kind and He is good. And when we grow in the ability to be kind and good, we are actually becoming more like God. One author writes that what is meant in the Old Testament about kindness is is really saying that God is good. If you go through the scriptures in the NIV version where the word kindness is given, the word show or showed or shown is often closely linked with the word kindness. For example, in Genesis 39, 21, in referring to Joseph, the scripture says, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Kindness, it would seem, carries with it an action. Kindness is like an overflow of tender, loving deeds or ways that can convey mercy, that can convey compassion, that that are actually helping towards a person who is receiving the act of kindness. You've all heard of the phrase, random acts of kindness. And often it's when we have it, our eyes open to see, is there something that we can do in any given moment to show or to do an act of kindness that lightens somebody's load, that surprises them, that fills the gap of where there's a need. Well, sometimes those acts of kindness work out really well, and, but sometimes they don't quite work quite as planned. And so to throw a little shade on myself or to 
give you a little laugh at home, let me share a story like that. One Christmas, uh, probably close to 20 years ago, definitely 15 years ago, we had the idea at Christmas time that Jesus being the light of the world, how could we show that? How could we make that known? So we had the idea that we would put a light bulb in a brown paper bag and fasten a note to it that says, Jesus is the light of the world. Merry Christmas. God bless you. If there's anything we can do, it's the Rock Church and such and such information. And we put out hundreds of them into mailboxes around our community. And we had hoped to reach out and to encourage some people, but I got to admit, I had hoped something different. I had hoped for a, a testimony of those miraculous kind of things that somehow God was going to use a bare incandescent light bulb in a brown paper bag to change somebody's life. I thought it would, I, was, I was actually hoping that somebody was praying when I was delivering these things. Oh God, if only somebody would just show up on my doorstep, I need a light bulb for that light, that light fixture right now. If somebody would do that, I'll believe in you. I wanted to be that person. I wanted to see that happen with this act of kindness. So we had put out a, a bunch of those, and one day the phone rang at the church. And the gentleman on the other side, end of that phone said, is this a church that's putting out light bulbs? And my heart began to race, and I said, this is it. The phone call that indicates somebody's life has been changed by a light bulb and what we were trying to do. When I said, yes, we are the church indeed that's doing that, he said, I don't think that's a very good idea. The, ma the mailbox had the, the light bulb in it. It was broken on the inside, and I had sent my, my child to go get the mail, and so he brought, it, brought in this bag of broken glass, and he could have really hurt himself. Well, my heart dropped. That's the exact opposite of anything we had wanted to have happen. And uh, we were very sorry that, that that took place. I said, very humbly, sorry that that took place, and goodbye, and he said goodbye, and that was the end of it. Sometimes our act of kindness doesn't always turn out the way we hope, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't stop being kind to others. What about goodness? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 lists kindness and goodness separately. While goodness, it would seem kind of hard to define or distinguish from kindness. What does it mean specifically? I don't know if I'll do a great job on this, but I think it has something to do with a specific action for the purposes of good or for an intended or intentional outcome. Sometimes we hear the phrase, he's a really good man or she's a really good woman, and it, it carries with it kind of a weight or a force that they are uh, really intentional in what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. I think the idea of goodness is what's behind the phrase called tough love, that wanting to be good actually causes us to do difficult things and to have difficult conversations and to pray about difficult um, situations on how we can come alongside and help somebody or talk to somebody in need. Goodness in the Old Testament is often referred to as something that God possesses. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, in speaking to Moses, the Lord said this, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. That's a very intriguing part of Scripture to me. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. What does that mean to you? That God himself is good. Psalm 23, verse 6. 
Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To have God's goodness follow us is an amazing gift and privilege as a follower of Jesus Christ. We sang that already with reckless love, that he's pursuing us. He wants his goodness to capture us. Will we go after him and be caught by his goodness? In the New Testament, the idea of goodness becomes a challenge for followers of Christ to possess goodness as well. And that's why we're talking about it as the fruit of the Spirit, that we would grow in the ability to be good. And so that's berry number one to chew on, so to speak. That God, his nature himself, is goodness and kindness. So what's berry number two? Well, because God's nature is goodness and kindness, they are actually discipleship issues. They are characteristics that we aren't actually have a choice to take a pass on. They aren't just a childhood-type virtue of be good to your sister, be kind to your neighbor. They're actually something much more deeper and weightier that I don't think we talk a lot about in church as being as significant as they really are. They're actually significant discipleship issues that take us cooperating, as Pastor Dwayne has been saying these days, not just cooperating with Holy Spirit, but The Holy Spirit's operating, and we're operating alongside Him being directed. That we're working along with the Spirit to allow these and other virtues of God and other fruits of the Spirit to grow with us. That it does take cooperation. It does take an agreement with what God is wanting to do in our life. Well, I said we'd have some fun with fruit today. And I'm a, I understand I'm probably the guy that has the most fun with it because after I demonstrate it, I get to eat it. But hopefully you're enjoying some fruit at home. So I'll pull out what I have for you today. And here we have what is a fairly beautiful arrangement of fruit, if I may say so myself. Very colorful, very beautiful. On them, as you see, we've got strawberries. Strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries. I love berries. I've always liked eating them. It costs good money, as you know, to eat fresh fruit, particularly when they're berries that are out of season and not around. But we we try to have them as often as we can because they're so good. Berries and I have a long history, but my experience with berries has not just been eating them. I have picked raspberries and strawberries on the farm growing up. I have picked Saskatoon berries in the countryside and in bushes that just grow wild. I've picked blackberries in Seattle, Washington at my sister's place. And I've picked blueberries with my family on vacation in Kelowna, British Columbia at a U-Pick farm, just to name a few. Have you picked berries before? Hands up in your, in your house, in your room. Those berries you buy in those little containers seem are so enjoyable. I love the taste and love the texture of those sweet berries. However, all of them had to be picked and put in that little container for us to so conveniently buy and purchase and take off the shelf. When they are ready to be picked, berries, in my opinion, are anything but easy to process. You have to either crouch down low to the ground, and that's what you have to do often with strawberries or blueberries, or on the raspberry bushes in my far, at my farm in Whitewood. It's thick, spindly raspberry bushes with really small, 
thistles or, or thorns that, that bother you or scratch you. But the worst is probably picking blackberries. They're like a big bush and trees when you're picking them in the wild or where they're just kind of growing off to the side, not in a, an orchard. And there's huge thorns and you're trying to navigate pulling branches out of the way just to reach up and get some low-hanging ripe fruit without sticking yourself with a, a thorn. It actually takes major effort for, to, to harvest berries to be able to enjoy them. We can take that for granted when we see them lined up. Can I say that often when we see a, a little act of kindness or an act of goodness, that we can just take that for granted as something that, well, that's easy or that's natural? But I want to say that the reality of the discipleship of kindness and goodness of our life is significant and it's also difficult. It doesn't just come naturally all the time. Have you always made a kind choice? Have your words and actions always been good? Mine have not. And if it was so easy, and if it was so natural, I would never miss a beat. But I can tell you right now, I've missed many beats, so much that I, I miss the step and land on my face, needing to apologize for people when I've been harsh, when I've been cruel in my words, when I've neglected caring for someone the way that I should. Discipleship in all areas, and in particular, kindness and goodness, is difficult work. It feels prickly, it feels thorny, it's inconvenient because it's time-consuming to allow those areas of our life where we recognize that we have misstepped, to surrender them to God, to allow Holy Spirit to convict us, to slow down enough and surrender God. I don't actually know why I was so harsh with my tongue or why I had such a cold shoulder in my action and didn't express goodness. But I want to challenge me and you that when those scenarios happen, we need to address what's really going on underneath the surface. What's the issue beneath the issue? What area in our lives, pride, selfishness, anger, resentment, bitterness, might be causing us in that moment to let loose and not act in kindness and goodness? Folks, it's a huge area in my life, and I need to acknowledge it, confess it, and keep turning away from those opportunities to act unkind and not good, and instead depend on His Spirit that even in a difficult situation, I would be able to make a kind choice and a good action. There are times, unfortunately, where instead of simply being good, instead of simply being kind, I rather choose to be right. I'd rather choose to try to prove my point and be justified in my opinion or entitled to my rights. Instead of making sure that the other person's okay or that I'm communicating well, I'd prefer to make sure that I'm fully heard and fully understood. When I'm living in pride or getting defensive of my own actions or attitude, I often can wreak havoc in a situation by not bringing peace, not bringing rest, putting people on edge. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-14 to 14 say this, and it's a good discipleship verse. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. What a great discipleship verse. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. What am I trying to say? That goodness and kindness are not just some kind of simple topics that are mastered in kindergarten or Sunday school at a very young age. But they are mastered as we follow after him and allow our hearts to be discipled. Berry number three. Jesus actually modeled and taught goodness and kindness. In Luke chapter 6, he says this in his teaching to the disciples. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. That sentence in and of itself is a enough reason for all of us to surrender to discipleship. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, what should you get, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others, other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are thankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Wow. What a sermon Jesus was giving at that point in time. Goodness and kindness is best illustrated and demonstrated to our enemies, to those who take and don't return. We're not even supposed to try to get it back. My friends, if I was known, if you were known, if our church was known as people who could live according to this being our standard on goodness and kindness and how we treat our enemies and what our response is to evil, there would be quite a lot of glory and awe towards God that his people could act like this. That his people would be so discipled and dead to their old patterns and selfishness and greed and pride and so much into the patience and peace of God and blessing of other people that we could allow ourselves to be wronged? Wow, what a testimony. And the Lord wants to do that kind of work in our life. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told us to. One more thing about these berries in our discipleship is that once you get these berries on the inside, whether it be a yummy strawberry or a blueberry or a raspberry or a blackberry, they actually help maintain your health and actually can help improve your health. The nutrition of berries is really good for your physical body. Strawberries alone can have fiber, antioxidants, vitamin C. Apparently it could be, uh, help, help your heart health. They may reduce your blood pr- pressure and cholesterol. And just for the record, please don't take my word. Talk to your doctor for all your health advice. I don't want to hear that you're just eating strawberries because your pastor told you to. You will look strange and people will not treat you kindly. Goodness and kindness. 
but if you actually start eating healthy and get in a cycle of eating healthy, you actually start to want more healthy foods. When I'm eating at my best, I actually crave way less sugar and way less junky type of foods, and I desire what is healthy. I think we can get a positive cycle going with goodness and kindness, that as we receive God's goodness and kindness and favor towards us, and as we recognize other people's goodness and kindness, and as we begin to dish it out, we recognize, hey, this is the kind of cycle we want to be on. I want to give goodness and kindness, and God wants to bring me goodness and kindness. And even in the most difficult situations of our lives, even when there is harm and hurt going on, goodness and kindness may seem less available. It may seem more difficult to get a handle on, but there will be glimmers of that shining through your life. Kindness and goodness can bring hope to your life in yourself and others as you bring in that nutrition of goodness and kindness to your soul. So berry number four, goodness and kindness. What does that look like in our lives today? Well, first of all, we recognize that it's a discipleship issue and an important one, and so we got to invite Jesus into the middle of it. And so I encourage you to start by practicing it yourself, that you recognize that God loves you, that he favors you. If we cannot be kind and good to ourselves, it will be very hard to be kind and good to others. When, God, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he's not saying treat yourself bad and treat others good. He's saying, love others as you would love yourself. We are not to view ourselves on the down low, or that we are somehow awful, wicked people. We are sinners. We need God's grace, but we were created to be in relationship, and we were created in God's image. And you may or may not have heard this phrase before, but God makes no junk. And the person on the other side of this camera looking at the screen right now is not junk, is not invaluable, is not unloved in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the body of Christ. You are valuable in God's sight. And so my question to you today in regards to kindness and goodness in yourself is, what story are you telling yourself? If the story you're telling yourself about treating yourself well or your value and if you should be kind or good to yourself, if it doesn't line up with God's version that you're valuable and that he loves you and is pursuing you with goodness, then you are listening to a lie. And if you continue to listen to a lie, then you actually get into sin because you're nurturing a lying voice and not lining your heart up with who God says that you are. If that's you today, and that has been me, we need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness for believing some other word other than God's truth about who he has made us to be. He has made us to be his children. He's provided a way through Jesus Christ that if we put our faith in him, we can actually follow him and receive the blessings and favor and goodness of God in all areas of our life. What does kindness and goodness look like in your home, your workplace, the shopping mall? What would happen if we all asked Jesus at the beginning of our day, in the middle and the end of our day, asked Jesus to show us through Holy Spirit what is actually in front of our eyes? What opportunities is there to be kind to others and good to others, to be God in skin in the world around us? I doubt you will be worse off for being kind and good. I doubt that Holy Spirit will not show up. I know that if we ask him, he will show up and he will help us to do that which we maybe haven't seen before or that which means difficult, which seems difficult. 
But as we read earlier in the earlier passage, even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. If you have given your best, if you have done your best, if you have been kind and good and you have been rewarded with what seems to be neglect or, or nothing good in return, I want to encourage you that you are blessed. In our world, with all that we see going on with the racist acts that's turned into protests, that's turned into now violent riots in too many places, if our world ever needed goodness and kindness from the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus Christ, it is today. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. One author writes that Jesus is the answer to this passage in Micah 6. He healed and comforted without regard for race, gender, social status, or wealth. As the Pharisees sought to kill Jesus for calling God his Father, Jesus called out, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? Jesus, the best man in history, did as God commanded, showing mercy and walking humbly, always obediently pointing attention back to God and his goodness. Our acts of mercy and humility point to Jesus. Folks, let us be people who love justice, love mercy, that love our neighbor as ourself. And in regards to COVID and learning to operate in a society that is beginning to open up and restrictions are starting to lift, there are people who are wanting to live fully free like it it, there's no issue right now. There's others that want to live fully cautious, like there's still the extreme uh, considerations to be taken. And there's a bunch of people on all areas of that spectrum. There's people that actually need to live protected because they are in an immune deficient state or they know a loved one who is sick. We must take care and caution to be kind and good, to not allow political views uh, one way or the other surrounding such a thing as a pandemic to decide how we will act or what we will prove as a follower of Christ. But rather, we must be kind and good in these situations. Let me offer these two verses as you consider what your response will be to an opening up society. Romans chapter 15, verse 2. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. Please our neighbors for their good. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 and 24. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. We won't. We don't do good on our own. We do good because we follow one who is good. God is good. God is kind, and his heart is kind and good towards his people, towards his creation, and his goodness draws people to repentance, the scripture says. That is the main battle and fight we are in. We're fighting for people to know God. We're going down that way perseverantly. We don't want to waste our time and energy just fighting about COVID. We want to be not just um, trying to prove points about racism or injustice, or all the isms and the prejudices and biases. We want to be Jesus and God in skin in the world around us. One of the kindest things that we can do is pray. 
when it comes to our own lives, our family, the issues going on in the States and in our own world, the pandemic, praying is an act of kindness and goodness when we don't know what else to do. My wife Leah and family and I are privileged and blessed to be pastors and on the team here at the Rock Church. And one of the greatest gifts we receive is we know that there's, and there's more than this, some of you are watching today, but we know of at least 10 people that pray for our, us and our family daily. Every time somebody comes up and says, we pray for you daily, it's almost like instant tears. What a gift of kindness and goodness to know that somebody is praying for us in that kind of consistent basis. Would you allow the Lord to put people on situations on your heart and pray for them faithfully? You will be a blessing in showing kindness and goodness to them. The other thing I want to encourage you is right now we have Holy Spirit devotions. We've had a week of them. We have another week coming. If you haven't partaken in them and taken them in, it's a three or four or five minute video with a, a little bit to read. Church, I want to implore you. I don't often beg, but would you consider taking in these devotions? They're short, but they have such an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, and we want to give Him room and space to disciple us. And God has already done that in me this week, and I want to give you space and time and encourage you that Holy Spirit wants to do the same for you. Thanks for taking in goodness and kindness this week. I want to close in prayer. And if these words express your heart, would you pray them after me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that your goodness is pursuing me. Thank you that you are running after me with your kindness. I acknowledge I have not always been good and kind. I recognize it's an issue of my heart. I want to give up my old ways, my pride, defensiveness, resentment, insecurity that causes me to be focused on myself rather than on others. I choose to follow Holy Spirit and invite Him to change me. Fill me with Your Spirit so that kindness and goodness can flow out of me. Help me daily, I pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for each one watching this service today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be moving in their hearts and lives. And thank you that you don't leave us to try to do this and figure out how to be good and kind on our own. You're simply asking us to acknowledge we can't do it on our own. And we need to walk alongside you and follow your ways. So we depend on you, Holy Spirit, for your power, for your direction, for your guidance and your comfort. That we can walk in more kind and good ways. Help us as a congregation and help us as a body of Christ in and around this world to be good and kind. For the church in North America, for the church around the world during this pandemic, during these uh, protests and riots and in the midst of such hurt and pain and trauma, that you would bring healing and hope to those involved and that you would help your people to be ministers of hope and life through kindness and goodness in the world around us. Jesus, bless us as we go into the week ahead. Cause us to be people after your own heart. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. God is good. God is kind. He loves you and his favor is upon you. May you walk and experience that grace this week. God bless you. We love you.